Hello and welcome to the Medjlis Podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Paneer, host of the Medjlis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. The topic today is the rights of disabled people in Central Asia. The topic's been receiving more attention than was previously the case for the first decades of independence, but that's not to say all the challenges are being resolved. There are still problems with access for all to public places and obstacles in education and employment. What is being accomplished and what remains to be done to make Central Asian countries inclusive for everybody? To discuss all this, I'm joined by Seinep Dikanbayeva, Program Manager and Lawyer of the NGO Parents of Children with Disabilities, or ARDI, in Kyrgyzstan, who has been working to implement social and legal projects for the disabled. Medina Karsakpayeva uh, is a disability inclusion specialist from Almaty, Kazakhstan, who is currently working for the UNDP in Kazakhstan to make, help make all of Kazakhstan accessible for the disabled. And Dilmarat Yusupov, an activist and researcher advocating for dis- disability inclusive development in Uzbekistan, co-founder of the NGO Sharayat Plus, which aims to promote a barrier-free and inclusive society for all disabled people in Uzbekistan. And Dilmarat also writes about inclusion issues for the Uzbek media outlet Gazeta.uz. Thank you all for joining me. And I want to start with the physical barriers. And by this, I mean access to buildings and public transportation. Um, Medina, if I could start with you. A few months ago, there was a video of an Akim or mayor of, I think it was Taldi Korgan in Kazakhstan, inspecting buildings to see uh, if access for the disabled was, was uh, suitable. Uh, he sat in a wheelchair and tried to use the ramp, but it was too steep, and the wheelchair fell over backward, and the mayor hit his head on the ground. Can you talk? Tell me a little bit about about the structures that have been put in place or not put in place that would make it, you know, easier for for disabled people to to get into buildings, to use public transportation, that sort of thing. Yes. Hello. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting for today's talk. In terms of your question and you know issues on infrastructure physical infrastructure in Kazakhstan and that case with the Akim of one of the regions I think this is uh, this practice of showing or indicating or just even proving that we have existing issues for certain people with special needs or physical type of disability something that we have been have been using for many years as an exercise as an evidence for for authorities to understand but no matter like regardless of those uh, practices and experience we still have issues on um, public transportation and but i think you know re- regardless of this public transportation other issues physical environment issues the main like the most important and the biggest challenge is mindset of people that still is not letting uh, authorities and people on higher positions to uh, to make relevant improvements, relevant changes, uh, to adapt, you know, and to to help people to be more involved in the society. Uh-huh. No, th- this is a good point. I'm glad you bring that up. You know, it's, it's certainly and it's something that we got to get into a little bit more here. And that brings me to another one of my questions, actually, which, again, is also about like the actual physical access when, when they're coming up with these plans, um, you know, for whatever, uh, you know, the slight ramp on the sidewalk, the curb that goes to, across the road, uh, entering into the buildings, uh, elevators. I remember once you, you had mentioned also that there was a, you know, a shortage of taxis, special taxis, right, to get people around who might be bound in wheelchairs or something like that. How, how much... 
do they include people who are actually disabled when they're when they come up with the planning for this? Do you have any idea? Uh, you know, when city authorities or state authorities, government authorities are, are trying to think about ways to do this, do they actually reach out to people in the disabled community and ask them for advice? Well, uh, as far as I know, there is a you know by each of the city there is a city council that consists of different experts coming from different areas, uh, including DPOs or disability-related organizations, and sometimes individual experts to be involved in those activities. But, you know, with buildings and putting all the facilities or considering the points on building standards, accessibility standards. But I think the, the voice of these experts or NGOs involved in the whole process when it comes to accessibility, physical accessibility is not strong enough or maybe not united enough to 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 prove that you know the standards are not met and um, or maybe if not met but maybe sometimes you know these uh, building infra- construction companies and authorities that are responsible for this they're also not quite knowledgeable but i think it it goes back to the issue of a voice of disabled people that they cannot prove or explain in more persuasive way a way to bring those changes because we we are not we are not we are still not visible enough in the public this is such an old and you know quite annoying fact but that's the truth mm. okay thank you and We'll discuss a little bit more. Sign up. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Can I add? Uh, I wanted to say that according to the policy, we ratified the convention in, 19, uh, in 2019. Uh, and we have the draft law about accessibility, accessible country. But it is not in the work because the government uh, hasn't uh, adopted it yet. And it is not only the policy problem. It is a problem of the attention to people with disabilities. Because uh, when we see uh, and talk about disability, we see that people with disability need help, uh, need like uh, assistance. But in the society, uh, people do not look at people with disabilities as equal citizens, equal people. And therefore, uh, the, the problems of people with disability, including accessibility, is also not very important, not in, not in priority. Why? Because uh, it is like a historical discrimination of people with disabilities in our countries. And I think we need to start with the, uh, the acceptance of people with disabilities and to, to work on the human rights-based approach. However, in our countries, the policy and the um, you know, policy on disability based on charity concepts, based on medical model, and sometimes social uh, model of disability, but not in the human rights approach. And therefore, we have this kind of problem with accessibilities and with other issues uh, based on disability. And when we will uh, transfer uh, from charity concepts and uh, different kind of concepts that I mentioned before, uh, and transfer to human rights approach concept, 
uh, our pools will be changed because uh, all of our countries ratify the convention. Okay, um, uh, thank you. Dumurad, I want to bring you in here. You've written extensively on this, and of course you're on Twitter all the time too. As far as physical access, I remember that you, you mentioned that Tashkent's new metro system, for example, has hardly any wheelchair accessible uh, elevators in it too. But you've also pointed out that more than 10% of the populations in Central Asia could could be considered disabled people. They are registered as such. That That's a pretty significant amount of people. So if you could speak a little bit about, about some of the what I was calling the physical barriers, but also something about the fact that how how is this how is it that the voice of ten ten percent of the people, maybe twelve percent of the people, how is that not being heard? Thank you very much, Bruce, for inviting us to this talk. I just want to add what Madina and Seinep already told us uh, about the concept of disability because it's really important to understand this. We ratified the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities last year. I mean, in Uzbekistan and uh, Kyrgyzstan did it in 2019, and Kazakhstan did it earlier. And as Seineb was saying, uh, the understanding of disability is very kind of charity-based. But if you look at the convention, uh, disability, it says that disability is not just uh, physical impairments, like or disability is not just in the body of a human, of a person. Disability is an evolving concept which results in the interaction of three things, like uh, impairments, like bodily functions of people, and attitudinal and environmental barriers. And as Madina was also saying, the at- attitudes are the important part, and without changing attitudes, we won't be able to change the environment. And you you said that uh, there are 10 or 12% of people with disabilities in, in the world, but uh, according to the WHO, there are about 15% of the world population has some form of disability. But if you look at the statistics, I mean, I was really amazed to learn about, for example, I've been to Kazakhstan recently to Almaty, and I was learning more about disability and persons with disabilities living in Kazakhstan. And I, you you know that Kazakhstan's population is like double less, almost double less than Uzbekistan's population, but they have almost like 700,000 persons with disabilities living there. But we have the same number. <laughs> so oh, what's the problem here? Is it, is it the problem that uh, we don't take into account many persons who are still out of the system? So I think this is the, just the case because, I mean, I don't really believe in the official data and uh, the Uzbekistan, I think it's is hiding a lot of people, a lot of children and adults with disabilities who are still not registered with the system. And the metro... As, uh, we are building new metro stations in Tashkent, the overground uh, railway uh, stations. And it's interesting that I, I understand maybe the, the metro stations that were built during the Soviet times, uh, like underground uh, stations, it, it would be difficult to uh, adapt them to the needs of persons with disabilities and those with reduced mobility. But if you look in in the new stations, everyone would assume that would have assumed that the new stations would be accessible, but in practice, they turned out to be not really accessible. And they didn't install elevators at all of these new stations, and even those elevators that are in place, they are out of order. So they are not working, or they uh, they are closed. So even the new metro stations are being not accessible for for. Uh, people with disabilities in Tashkent. 
unfortunately. Okay, let's let's get into some of this problem about why why people are not are not seeing or hearing um, the disabled, and and you know this is something that probably starts at an early age. You know, we, I, I know that Dilmarad, you've been on the show before, and we've talked about the situation in schools. Are are, are st- schools like in Uzbekistan, for instance, are they still to some extent segregated? Are there schools where where people with disabilities go, and there are schools where where other children go, or is there do they do they mix? Uh, in other countries, we have boarding schools. Uh, we have uh, boarding schools for uh, people with, uh, with uh, hearing and visual impairments. And we have uh, like boarding uh, houses for people with disabilities. And we have also um, special schools for those who have mental disabilities. We also have uh, some cases and where our children and people with disability have, have home education and homeschooling. And we have very uh, few amount of people who study at ordinary and comprehensive schools. But in those schools, uh, children and people with disabilities uh, don't have facilities to study there. If they can study academically, they can uh, serve by themselves without any uh, assistance. They can study. But for instance, to, uh, this situation a little bit improved. They have uh, like a personal assistance and help from a teacher, and they have some individual or, uh, educational plan for some uh, projects and from some inclusive uh, um, programs and projects. Maybe they have some special and educational materials, but it's not uh, broadly uses uh, and approved by the Minister of Education, unfortunately. And I ask uh, why? Because, uh, you know, um, disability, it's still like an illness, uh, like a sickness. It's uh, it's uh, still uh, like abnormal, and and by the psychological aspect, uh, disability is not people with disability uh, like uh, people who has some uh, diseases. So like, and people say, oh, you have a physical disability, you have a mental disability, for instance. And uh, it is uh, strange, and people they cannot accept. Uh, and for instance, uh, we are very far from a uh, universal design. Uh, we are uh, we are very far from a uh, universal concept that everybody uh, is humanly equal. Uh, it is uh, fortunately uh, speaking, but practically we are still isolated from the uh, incorrect and wrong concept that people with disability are different from the ordinary ones. Unfortunately, it still exists, but step by step, we uh, work that um, uh, attention to people with disability will be much better uh, that based on the human rights approach. And we have lots of activities, leaders that show good patterns that change this attitude to people with disabilities from sick people to equal people that have the same rights. But these changes comes quite slowly, to be honest. 
But uh, we hope that because we ratify CRPD, these concepts will be changed because we have a strong civil society and uh, our government try to hear our voice. For instance, when we uh, drafted that situation about people with disabilities in our country, our recommendation also uh, was accepted by the government. And for instance, uh, the law of regulation of bringing and of the bringing of the wheelchair included our recommendation how to regulate this uh, this situation of bringing wheelchair and other technical supports to people with disabilities. It has become more clear right now, and I'm very happy that our voice also accepted by the policy level, and also we can uh, influence on this uh, level by working with the government in the cooperation. However, the situation is not uh, a very strongly changed uh, even after the ratification. And I think it is because of the pandemic situation that we are faced on. But uh, we hope that it will be much better if we will be uh, strongly unified with uh, every person with disabilities and work uh, in cooperation with each other. For instance, right now we work with the draft law of education and I gave the the article about how to um, education for people with disabilities and not only for children with disabilities was has to be regulated by the law and i hope the and this version of the law was accepted by the parliament and we now discussed and make some changes on this uh, draft law and i'm very happy that we have such kind of opportunity to work with the uh, government, with the parliament to bring out the inclusiveness, human rights approach to uh, the policy of, uh, to the uh, disability policy to make the situation much better. Okay, great. Thank you. That's encouraging. Uh, Medina, I want to hear your experience. You have a degree. You even studied outside the country uh, in Hungary, if I recall. Um, what, what's your experience with the education system in Kazakhstan and, and, and the lack of inclusivity? And is it different you know, when you left the country and studied? Was it, was it a different feeling? Yeah, it was actually the other day I was recalling uh, the memories of you know, studying abroad. And uh, one thing I can, like, if I would describe the experience or difference of uh, being and studying abroad and my current reality in Kazakhstan. I think this is something like uh, I had a trip to the future where most of the things are adapted, uh, but the most importantly, I felt acceptance. And and I absolutely, sometimes I even forgot about my condition because I use a wheelchair. Obviously, this is too visible. But, you know, when you have all the facilities and um, again acceptance of different places starting from university university personnel your fellow uh, fellow students and this is really a huge uh, huge impact it makes you uh, grow 
and change mindset, I think. That's why I call it a trip to the future where everything is quite developed. And now I see in Kazakhstan we are gradually, of course gradually, because we are quite a young country, as they say, and we also ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities a few years ago. So yeah, and just a few um, points to I wanted to mention on, you know, invisibility of uh, disabled people in the co- in the community, general community. I think this is also because of lack of experience from both sides. Like ordinary people do not know how to interact with us, and we, from our side, also do not know. In most of the cases, people with disabilities, children, young adults, teenagers, sometimes they lack in uh, essential communication skills. They do not know how to communicate about their differences. Sometimes people get aggressive or like too sad and frustrated because of the real challenges that they face on an everyday basis. So I think that's the part of the issue. In terms of opportunities or good sides, uh, good uh, points of this disability inclusion. In Kazakhstan, on a level of higher education, we do not have a high number of students involved at university programs, those with disabilities, but we have a like, developing practice of resources centers uh, by the universities where students could go and ask for assistance yeah, I hope this will be continuous practice in, in Kazakhstan and then spread across the region. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so, too. Thank you very much. Um, Dilmarad, you know, the education system, it seems like if you're going to confront the problem of, of uh, you know, what's now the separation some, somewhat in society of, of disabled people from other people that, you know, the education system is probably a good place to start. Uh, let's face it, the, you know, preconceptions prejudice, things like that. These are, these are things that, that are inherited or, or that are you're taught. You know, they're not things that come naturally to you. Is, is the education system in some way, in some sense, failing a lot of these people because it is not inclusive? I mean, if, we, if the schools were open if they're, uh, to everybody, uh, as long as you know, they can keep up with the schoolwork, you know, wh- why not have uh, people with disabilities in the school? And then everyone, everyone mixes with each other then, and, and it breaks down a lot of the the walls that have been built up over the years, because you see these people and you interact with them. Uh, what's your thought about that? Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Um, I agree that uh, education is one of the most important uh, factors in disability inclusion, because many things like if children with disabilities are segregated from the early start, other children won't see them. I mean, this is very pretty obvious that we need to be inclusive from the early start. But the problem with it in Uzbekistan is we have three different ministries, uh, the Ministry of Preschool Education, the Ministry of Public Education, the Ministry of Higher and Secondary Specialized Education. And we should have inclusion at all these levels. But the problem here is uh, there is lack of interagency communication and we, I can see that the tendency at the preschool education system is more of segregation. So they are creating like specialized kindergartens for children with disabilities. They call them IMCON now, and they provide kind of rehabilitation services there. It's really good, but uh, the idea of 
like segregating children based on their impairments, like their conditions and their health. Uh, kind of, it's very, it's totally wrong, I think, because as, as you rightly said, and then our colleagues said, uh, children should be uh, educated, uh, should be together uh, from the early point. But an interesting, uh, my, my interesting observation is that we have these specialized boarding schools for uh, children with sensory impairments. Uh, for blind and visually impaired children, for deaf and hard of hearing children. And there is a tendency within these institutions for defending this way of uh, receiving education. Uh, I, I can see that uh, many teachers at these institutions like, uh, are against, sometimes against, against inclusive education. They think that uh, children, for example, with total blindness, it, they are well suited to get, uh, receive education at, in a specialized setting rather than an, in an inclusive, like uh, a mainstream setting. So this is quite interesting because inclusive, the overall like general trend in the world is for inclusive education, but sometimes even persons with disabilities themselves, they say we are, well, uh, we are better off when we are together with like-minded people. Or like, uh, so sometimes they are for segregation themselves, which is interesting. But in general... There, there have been some move on towards inclusive education in Uzbekistan, but mo- mostly it's at the general education, like secondary education level, and they have been introducing like inclusive classes within mainstream schools. So imagine a mainstream school, and there is a specific class within a mainstream school where children with disabilities would uh, would go, uh, and this was a very uh, ridiculous from my view because you need to make the whole school inclusive rather than making a separate class inclusive. So uh, I think the whole understanding of inclusion, like the concepts on the principles of inclusion, flawed, like in, in the context of Uzbekistan. And they're trying to see the international experience, but I, don't, I think because, the, because of the lack of involvement of disabled people's organizations and parents of children with disabilities and children with disabilities themselves, those experts like without disabilities are deciding on behalf of these uh, groups. So I think the, the, the biggest problem is here uh, with the lack of involvement of persons with disabilities and their communities themselves in the decision-making process. Can I add, uh, I think at the inclusive education, it is a very uh, complex problem because I'm also uh, um, against for, for about special classes, boarding schools, um, about separation. However, to be honest, in reality, we don't have uh, teachers that enough uh, qualified or skilled to uh, work with children with disabilities or people with disabilities. Uh, they're afraid to work with children with disabilities because uh, they don't have enough qualification, enough knowledge, uh, when they have some uh, basic information about what is inclusive education. But in practical way, they don't have enough materials for working, enough equipments for working uh, with children with disabilities. And you know that disability is very diverse. They have sensory disability, physical disability, mental disability, and mixed of these uh, disabilities. Therefore, it is very difficult to uh, to develop the conditions and facilities for 
all. Therefore, they are the state very afraid to start this uh, uh, work on civil uh, or inclusive on inclusive education because of this problem. Uh, in our country, we have uh, schools that in one classes there are forty students and they don't have enough facilities for uh, ordinary students uh, in the class or uh, enough schools uh, and they said that it is very very difficult to make uh, to pay attention to uh, the children at, uh, who have a disability to work with this um, child or these children and we uh, and and I also understand that with we can create a, an inclusive education in one time. However, uh, I think if we will have a good uh, inclusive education policy, a good education um, legislation based on inclusiveness, and if we will have a good program on this, we have inclusive education development program, if we will have a financial, a financial and technical support, and we will have a good view, as Adil Murad said about inclusive education, step by step, uh, Solving the problems of uh, solving the problems that I mentioned before, we will educate the teachers and we will give them a good um, and right concept of inclusive education, and we will uh, give the facilities. And this demurated, we will have not only one class that separated uh, from the whole school. But we will have we will adapt the system where uh, edu- inclusive education will be in every where in every classes and children with disabilities and other children who have a special education needs will be included into educational system and have the equal opportunity and right to have education. However, uh, because of the problems and issues, so we are quite far from the inclusive education that we wanted to have in our countries. Okay, great. Thank you. Just sorry, I keep interrupting you. Just a few comments to add. Uh, well, what uh, how I see this, you know, this is common practice at least on the level of uh, secondary school education, inclusive education, so-called inclusive education and the practice of uh, setting one separate uh, inclusive classroom within the whole school. Probably this is just the way as we are still, as a country, we are still learning uh, to understand the whole concept. And in any of our countries, I think there is no uh, certain set of, you know, uh, not set, but a certain um, understanding, the definition of inclusive education, because people, not only teachers, but regular public, they don't really understand. And as for teachers, I think on top of those issues as lack of qualification, lack of uh, resources, materials, whatever, there is also lack of motivation for teachers to work with these kids, children, because in terms of salary, um, they do not get like increased or different additional payment to work specifically with this child to pay relevant attention to have assistant to work on IEPs uh, individual um, educational plans 
So this is another point of the issue. Uh huh. Yep. At least for teachers, that's cool. Yep. Great point. Great point. And I'm sorry I have to interrupt for one second, but I have to do my midway usual recap here. So this is the Medjulis podcast, and today we are talking about uh, inclusion for disabled people in Central Asia. I'm joined by Medina Karsakpayeva, who is a disability inclusion specialist from Almaty, Kazakhstan, and is currently working for the UNDP in Kazakhstan to help make all of Kazakhstan accessible for the disabled. Dilmarat Yusupov is an activist researcher advocating for disability inclusive development in Uzbekistan, co-founder of the NGO Shorayit. Which aims to promote a barrier-free and inclusive society for all disabled people in Uzbekistan. And Dilmarat also writes uh, about inclusion issues for the Uzbek media outlet Gazeta.uz. Seneb Diakanbayeva, program manager and lawyer of the NGO Parents of Children with Disabilities, or ARDI, in Kyrgyzstan, who has been working to implement social and legal projects for the disabled. And I'm Bruce Paneer, the host of the Medjlis podcast. Okay, Medina, and actually all of you have been bringing up a lot of good points. Okay. You got segregated schools. Sometimes there's a special course or uh, that that has to, you know, where where the all the children get to mix together. Uh, what I'm curious about, and and there's there's kind of two parts to this question. One would be is is there a body or an agent government agency in in all your countries that actually oversees this? Because it seems to me the solution to this problem is to bring the teachers who are already involved in special ed and integrate them into the regular school system along with their students, and then you solve. Every, all the problems at once. You bring in teachers who are already on the payroll for, for these specialty schools and bring them into the schools as, as also as teachers there, and, and then you bring their students in with them, right? Wouldn't that work? I mean, is there an agency that oversees these kind of things and, and, and considers maybe this is one of the solutions? Uh, anyone who wants to start? No, I don't think it will work. Why? Because uh, also from the special schools and boarding schools, teachers, uh, they use uh, old concept, uh, old concept of education, charity concept. Therefore, we need to um, use them also because they have experience of working with children with disability, but they need to re-educate it about inclusive education, about human rights, about um, international standards, and how to use these uh, new and innovative methods of working with these children. Because even they will be transferred from their boarding schools or special schools, they will uh, use their old methods of working with uh, children with disabilities, and it won't be uh, inclusive education and inclusiveness. As per Kazakhstan, I think the main body is the Ministry of Education, of Science and Education, specifically the part of the ministry that is responsible for school education. When it comes to school teachers, uh, there is also a practice of Kazakhstan uh, to provide uh, short courses on inclusive education, for example, for teachers that would go and, you know, attend those courses. But in reality, they they do not get enough of knowledge and practical instruments how to implement and support inclusion. As for uh, special schools, special boarding schools, I also had experience working or volunteer for those schools. And as uh, Seneb just mentioned, they specifically in those special schools, special boarding schools, what I noticed from work with kids there, that the children, uh, sorry, the teachers do not really, you know, seem to be uh, interested in 
bringing knowledge to the kids. They are not motivated. They are like just following the regular program as for everyone, but with like slower speed. So, you know, children in special schools, they seem to be a bit, I mean, they have delayed educational educational program. And for one more point on homeschooling, as I had to go through homeschooling for 11 years. And this is also something that teachers also lack. And, you know, as I was lucky enough many years ago when I had uh, homeschooling experience, because my teachers appeared to be responsible and like passionate about their subjects. But nowadays, what I see is that teachers are not interested in visiting children who are on homeschooling mode. And they also, they try to skip those lessons. They they have this, how to say, prejudice towards children. So, for example, if you use a wheelchair, there is a, an automatic prejudice that you definitely have to have mental issues that would, you know, impact your studies. That's That's like part of the issues on implementing and having uh, inclusive education in place in at school uh, context. Yeah, thank you. I mean, this kind of gets back to the point that these, these kind of things are are inherited or picked up in, in an early age when, when they really don't, there's no connection between uh, your mental faculties and, and your ability to, to walk or something, right? So Dilmarad, um, you know, same question for you about, about the state agencies and what are there, but I mean, you had also made the point earlier that there, there seems to be some competition that special education teachers, that are, or at least there is a section of the special education um, sector that, that seems to believe that it's their territory and they're not, they're unwilling to integrate uh, or that they, it's not desirable for them in some some form. Is there a way to, that you can see to get them to have more time with their, their students, with the students in uh, the other schools? Yeah, I think uh, on the one hand, they are, I agree with them because uh, mainstream schools are not ready to accept um, children with disabilities. And in terms of the staff uh, shortages and the pro- professional training of the staff members and the uh, environment at schools. So uh, from, very, from many kind of points, I agree that they're concerned. They're con- I, I understand they're concerned about moving their children to mainstream schools. But on the other hand, I, I, th- I see that they also have some kind of benefits within the school system, like specialized school setting, because the salaries of those who are uh, working at specialized boarding schools are much higher, for example, than salaries at mainstream schools. So uh, there may there may be kind of a personal interest and lack of motivation of for inclusive education uh, on this side. But in terms of the agencies, as I as I already mentioned, there are three ministries, and I I, I don't see any communication. For example, if if a child with disability is um, finishing preschool education he should be well prepared to enter secondary education, um, primary secondary education, secondary education. And then after completing secondary education, he should go to the university. But as maybe Madina will also add on this and say that uh, our universities are not ready for inclusion. Uh, we have introduced like a, a 2% um, quota for persons in first and second disability group to enter higher educational institutions. They introduced this policy, but the universities are not ready to accommodate the needs of students with disabilities. 
So, and in general, if you look at in this, there is no one agency or like one ministry, uh, for example, Ministry for Social Protection or Ministry for Social Services that would uh, oversee these connections, these communication problems within these uh, agencies or sh- or coordinate all of the activities in, in, in one, all of the policies in one agency. After the ratification of the convention, we, we established the Interagency Council on Disability Affairs, which includes all of the ministries on relevant issues, uh, disability-related issues, but I don't actually see the effectiveness of this body. And there is one agency on the development of medical and social services in Uzbekistan, but again, this agency is very has a very medicalized approach to disability. They usually spend a lot of money and resources on rehabilitation centers. They try to cure disabilities. So they, they lack a very social approach to inclusion of children and adults with disabilities. So these are, these are main problems, I think. Can I add something? Is it if it's possible? Absolutely. You know, I'm very happy that we... Uh, whatever we have, uh, nevertheless, we have so much problem in education, in uh, transportation system, and etc. We see the, in, uh, in the Central Asian country, we see Dilmrat, Madina, uh, uh, those who speak English fluently and uh, got good education and work in the international system and work for uh, improving the situation in in their countries uh, it is wonderful and i hope the uh, and i think that our countries must use and should use uh, these kind of persons as a key person to improve the situation in our countries uh, because uh, uh, Madina and Dilmrat know, know uh, and, and knowledgeable and, uh, and have experience how to improve this uh, disability situation in their countries, in our countries. How, however, I think the problems are, are still remain because uh, this kind of key person and resources person are not used fully in our countries. Uh, because uh, even uh, as I said, even we have a lot of problems in our countries uh, regarding to uh, this uh, education, etc. You see, Madina and Dilmrat have a very good educational level and also studied abroad and get a good. Uh, uh, for uh, uh, English level, it is very important to 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 use this kind of people uh, and to see this kind of pattern in fully uh, extent. And I hope this program will help us to to show the governments and the two states that you know, only people with disabilities, leaders, can change. Uh, the situation, not money, not power, and etc., but uh, this uh, uh, kind of knowledgeable and uh, experienced people can prove the situation. Uh, I just, I just wanted to add on this, saying that uh, I agree with you because I just want, don't want to uh, show off our skills and knowledge. But the problem with these institutions, the agencies, is they are led by those people. Uh, who were educated during the Soviet times. For example, if you look at the Agency for the Development of Medical and Social Services in Uzbekistan, it, there is a, a person who 
who has recently said that children with Down syndrome cannot be educated or like they look, they have similar faces. Uh, they, all they, well, all they, well, what they can do is that they can learn some self-care at home and that's it. This is, this, these are exactly the same words that were uh, told at the press conference by, this, by the director of this agency. So now I think the problem is with the mindset of these bureaucrats who still think that disability is a lack of working capacity, disability is something negative, disability is a medical problem. So I think the, the whole problem comes from this mindset, from these uh, bureaucrats who sit in their chairs for a long time, who don't listen to younger generation, who don't, listen, who don't open themselves to an uh, international kind of uh, education. So I think I, I agree with Seineb that we need more young voices and international voices in, within these institutions as well. Okay, thank you. Okay, and we're, we're getting close to the end of time, but um, that's a, a good transition into what I, how I want to finish this up. All of you, I'd like to, you to respond to this. If you could give your governments one recommendation for the next step they should take, to make to progress in in the inclusion in the country, what would that recommendation be, Medina? Yes, thank you. Well, I think uh, my recommendation is uh, connected to the voice of uh, disabled people, professionals in different areas with different types of different um, disabilities, bringing them to the decision-making process in any of the fields, and treating them equally as everyone else i think that's the most important to to build a, a real inclusive society related i mean in terms of disability inclusion so the voice of disabled people need to be heard mm-hmm. okay great thank you okay Dilmarad, what recommendation what's the next step the uzbek government should take Yes, um, I'm, I'm currently working on a project uh, to promote disability-inclusive employment, actually, and I found a really good solution for promoting inclusion. Uh, as, as you know, the, uh, there is a saying by Gandhi saying, uh, if you want to change your world, the world, you should start with yourself. So I think these agencies, they should become inclusive themselves. For example, if you take this agency for the development of medical and social services, they should include a person like Madina, for example. She is now working for UNDP as a disability inclusion expert. And I think uh, uh, experts on disability inclusion are disabled people themselves. They should be experts. They should be involved in the work of these agencies. They should be at the heart of this decision-making process. They shouldn't be treated as patients or recipients of services. They should be subjects of the decision-making process. And I think this is the first and the most important recommendation that I would give to the government. Thank you. Great. Uh, Senna? Uh, yes, I agree uh, with my colleagues. And um, my recommendation in every state agencies, in every uh, ministers and agencies, has to be a person with uh, disabilities as a uh, counselor. Uh, because I was a um, ex uh, advisor of the Minister of Education, and I see how it works good, um, and we uh, could develop the um, in- inclusive education uh, strategy, uh, and it was really good, and how we, uh, and it is, it is, it's, it really works, 
And the second, my recommendation is to analyze the policy regards to CRPD. What is the situation in status quo uh, and what CRPD says and how we need to come step by step uh, to the uh, human rights approach uh, policy on disability, uh, how, how we need to change our legislation to make sure that our um, uh, policy on disability match uh, international standards, uh, CRPD, and inclusiveness uh, in our uh, disability policy. I think it is very important. And the third, my recommendation is to involve uh, people with disabilities, parents who have children with disabilities in every um, circle of making this policy from beginning, start from planning and ending uh, as a monitoring of this process. Uh, And and in these uh, tasks, the problems and the policy and the uh, pictures of disability in our countries will be uh, improved, I think. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. And thank you all for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on and and expressing your views on this. It's obviously a hugely important topic and and, uh, discussion is at least the start of hopefully change in what's what's happening in all your countries. Um, So thank you, Dilmarat and Seinep and Medina. I appreciate it very much. And the big thank you, of course, to Nathan Shoemaker, our Vegelis podcast producer in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm Bruce Benier, the host of the Medjulies Podcast. And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjulies Podcast or the Central Asia and Focus newsletter by visiting RFERL's website at rfarl.org. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.